Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 271 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Joined by my co-host tonight, he is Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, we're deep into the coaching search now, or we got a week under our belts. We still know uh, very little. Uh, we've only gotten through about half the reported interview requests, but maybe some things starting to come into focus. Maybe things that we don't want, things that we do want. Uh, but before we get into all that, how are you doing tonight? No, I'm doing well. Um, I guess here's the thing about coaching uh, searches and anything in general right where there's so much unknown it's you you try your best to read read into anything that's actually available right and i know we'll get into that um this 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 episode in terms of uh some coaches that we thought might be gone and not even talking about with the falcons i'm saying like other franchises right we thought maybe someone's gonna be gone they aren't staying like what does that all mean even as it pertains to the falcons so we'll we'll get into all that too so yeah yeah we'll see no we got a lot of ground to cover tonight and we'll be joined by aaron freeman here in a little bit once he's wrapping wrapped up with his uh other recordings so he'll be joining us to, to break this down too but we did of course just get the news like minutes before the show went live that the cowboys will not be moving on from mike mccarthy so that obviously is is a major uh a major domino to fall because a lot of coaches were rumored to be holding out to see if that, you know, that spot would be open or the Eagles spot would be open. I guess we'll still see, but it doesn't seem like Nick Sirianni himself is in danger. The coordinators, that's another story. But um, so those those two big ones, you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys staying put at their coaching spots, that does obviously limit the pool to the currently known openings uh, that we have. And that also cements the Falcons as arguably the top option alongside, I would say, the Chargers as the other really desirable spot. And there are a number of good ones. I mean, I think Seattle's certainly up there as well, although you do wonder if they're going to go for just Dan Quinn and try to go back to another familiar Seattle coach, if that's sort of the direction they want to go or not. But um, yeah, very interesting set of teams here, a very interesting set of candidates. We know the Falcons are talking to a number of them. So tonight, unlike last time, we're, we're going to try to get into the candidates a little more talk about obviously our preferences we'll talk about the news and then sort of talk about the different candidates and their strengths and weaknesses and you know we don't know all of these guys on a deep level obviously but we do have some idea about what they bring to the team and what they, they might offer as a head coach um but yeah we're, we'll get into all that guys and of course we'll have Aaron Freeman joining us shortly until then real quick let me sneak in this ad read from our tonight's sponsor betonline.ag folks with the NFL playoffs on tap and the NBA season now in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores that you need. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info available now on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. You know, if you're looking for my advice, uh, I don't know that that Texans plus nine point five. Like I, I do think the Ravens are going to win that game, but the Texans are pretty spicy. Like I, I think they can cover that nine and a half point spread. I don't know. I don't know if you got you got faith, any faith in the Texans, Jordan. I would say this: I have seen this Ravens defense against a similar offensive structure, right? Like we saw them go against the 49ers, and that wasn't pretty. So, yeah. if you're a little hesitant 
about that that nine and a half. I understand it. I really yeah. do. Yeah, it, it being that big, like I think they can make it a one score game. But do I think the the Texans will outright win? No, but that's why no. that's why it's gambling. You know, you got to take the risk, and it's not betting on the Falcons, which of course has gone very poorly for for me this year <laughs> and for many. I, I wager, especially if you're betting on player props. But uh, no matter what you decide to bet on, guys, head to that website betonline.ag today to get in on the action, see all the updated odds. Just remember when you sign up to use our promo code Believe. That's B. L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So let's let's kick off tonight talking about the news. Obviously, the Falcons just completed their interviews with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh over the past couple days. Those are, I think, two of the obviously hottest names in the entire cycle. Give, obviously, we talked a lot about Belichick last week, Harbaugh. We weren't sure they were going to interview because as he wasn't an NFL coach, they didn't have to officially submit a request for him, but they did interview him. Um, there was obviously some buzz today that I think we know is probably incorrect or or at least mostly incorrect. But um, yeah, I mean, are you surprised at all that they didn't end up interviewing Jim Harbaugh, Jordan? Uh. So what you say did or did did yeah they actually did, did. interview him. yeah okay yeah, yeah I was gonna say because I, I was like yeah I know they did um but no I'm I'm not that surprised um and before I get into it I wanted to say this really quickly um you know uh, obviously I think Kevin you know this and maybe some other viewers you did or didn't I have spent uh, the last couple of years like part time with the Warriors. And if you're a basketball fan, you might have seen the news um, about the assistant coach, uh, Dayan Mijolovic, uh, who, you know, unfortunately passed away, had a heart attack, I think, at a, a team dinner last um, last night. So, you know, I want to pay my respects and condolences um, to him, all the Warriors family, his family, anybody that knew him. Um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to say that while I had a chance yeah. to, um, so appreciate you letting me do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of Harbaugh, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, and if you remember, um, before we really like the, I think the, the day that we first started talking about coaching interviews and coaching hires i actually saying like hey if if this is how arthur blank looks at this and views this and what he's looking for i said that harbaugh was actually the best hire they could do so i'm not surprised um and the only thing for me was going to be more of a matter of what does jim harbaugh where's his mindset because that had always been out in the open and in the air. But again, since we did that last episode, um, you know, initially it was, Hey, he did the interview with the chargers. Like once I saw he did the interview with the chargers, that's when I was like, all right, the Falcons, they have to interview him at the least, right? Like the, the least you can do, you have to interview him. So no, that didn't surprise me. Um, I think, like I said, I, th- I thought it was expected again. Like this is a coach that, you can have your opinions on him. You can view him any certain way. He's had success everywhere he's gone. And I know I said this in the last show too, but I look at it at my alma mater. Like I, I wasn't coached by him, but I knew a lot of people, a lot, a lot of players, whether 
So, yeah, whether it's players on the team, you know, they were the upperclassmen or people that were still in the office and even some of the coaches, some of that turnover and hangover, um, they were there from Harbaugh. So even going back from Stanford then to the 49ers and, of course, down to Michigan and then wherever else the case may be, he's found success and he's found a way to have success. So if you have a coach like that, which I mean, I, I think, again, still part of the same reason why you can make the whole argument of why they are entertaining the Bill Belichick idea. It's yeah, no, you have coaches that are successful. Of course you need to interview them and, and, and at least see what's there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I agree. I, I think it was, I was going to be disappointed if they didn't at least talk to Harbaugh because again, we know he's one of the main candidates. I think he's, he's definitely one of the more interesting ones. I, I, I'll, I think according to some people, he would probably be the most desirable candidate. Um, I know I would definitely prefer him to Belichick, but uh, we'll, we'll continue to get into all that. But yeah, welcome in, of course, Aaron Freeman. Now at Locked on Falcons, I'm still going to honor the at Falc fans. Did, are you ever getting that account back, Aaron? Do we know? or? I don't, I don't think so, Kevin. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, uh, I will update officially the, uh, the, the, the nameplate at some point now. But um, at, you know, not to, not to dredge up that, that old wound, but Aaron, otherwise, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Shout out to Tory Lanes for getting my account suspended, uh, suspended and uh, <laughs> expressing some thoughts on him going to jail. But, you know, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? We're good. I know people were panicking today with some of these tweets about this Bill Belichick interview and Jim Harbaugh interview that to me seemed just blatantly false on their face. You know, any, anytime somebody comes in saying the interview had lasted exactly 48 minutes and 37 seconds, that's usually when I start to question whether or not this, it's legitimate reporting. But uh, curious, Aaron, now now that you're here, uh, we were talking about sort of the, the news that the Falcons did interview Harbaugh because that's the only coach so far that they've interviewed that they didn't officially request. You know, we heard about Belichick already. Uh, so I was wondering if you were surprised at all that they did interview Harbaugh. What do you sort of think about that potential hire? No, I, I wasn't surprised in, in the slightest. And I think the, you know, these NFL teams, you know, in, in part due to ongoing litigation against the NFL for unfair hiring practices, like basically uh, I'm sure Roger Goodell sent a memo out to these teams, like don't break the rules or, or we will come down hard for you because, uh, this is money coming out of all of our pockets. Uh, if someone can prove in a court of law that uh, the NFL's hiring practices aren't fair. So teams stick generally stick to the letter of the law now. And the letter of the law is like, hey, you got to put in requests um, in, in terms of these coaches. But with Jim Harbaugh, you didn't have to do that because he doesn't work for the NFL. He's a college head coach. And, you know, we've seen in the past where these coaches usually work behind the scenes sort of secretly. Harbaugh kind of did that. A couple of years ago, almost became the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Ultimately, that didn't work out, uh, and they went with Kevin O'Connell. But now, you know, good on Jim Harbaugh for basically being up front this time around with basically like, yeah, I am absolutely uh, looking to make the jump to the NFL. I am done with college. Um, so that's good on him to not do the thing that so many other coaches in the past, whether they're pro coaches trying to go back to college or college coaches trying to make the jump to the pro and they sit here and they deny, they deny, they deny. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't been talking, uh, you know, I'm the head coach of the Miami dolphins. I haven't been talking, uh, about going to the university of Alabama in the case of a certain, uh, former Falcons coach, uh, you know, didn't even get a chance to talk to any, didn't even get a chance to deny. He just bounced right yeah you know people were like 
oh, I think where, where's coach? I'm like, oh, he went to the bathroom. He never came back. He went out right? for cigarettes, you know? never came back. Yeah. <laughs> is there a motorcycle involved that coach that you're talking about? Potentially. I, 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 there might have been. There might have been a, a motorcycle incident that could have happened. But you know, you know, it's just it's just funny to me. Like that's that's how it used to be done. It was just to use, but like now the NFL is like, no, you can't do that anymore. You know? Yeah. And uh so good on Jim Harbaugh for being more transparent about it this time than he was last time. I think for obvious reasons, he has the ability to do that because they just won the national title. And I'm sure the NCAA is looking for, you know, ways to hammer him potentially in the future. And so he's just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm definitely trying to get out of here to avoid uh, that punishment. And I think that's going to be a factor in whoever hires him because I've seen reports that the NFL may abide by any sort of NCAA rulings that come out in the next, you know, year or so when it comes to punishments for Jim Harbaugh. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. But yeah, you know, jumping in on the conversation towards the end of what you guys are talking about, you know, and and what Jordan was talking about, like, you know, I, I, I talked about this last week on Lockdown Falcons, you know, Harbaugh is a program builder. He has successfully done that at Stanford. He's done that at um, San Francisco. He's done that at Michigan. So if you're the type of person that's like, hey, the, the Falcons need to quote unquote rebuild their program, and build it up. There's a lot of reasons to like Jim Harbaugh. You know, he, he may be a little quirky personality-wise. Um, that that's probably the biggest knock on him. Like he tends to rub people the wrong way, uh, and eventually uh, they get tired of him. So if and when his teams start losing, then people are like, okay, let's get rid of this guy. That's basically what happened in San Francisco, where the minute he had a losing season, they were like, get rid of him. Um, so that's the that's the biggest knock on Jim Harbaugh. But other than that, like there's really not a whole lot that you can say from a negative standpoint, at least purely in terms of football standpoint. He has had success everywhere he has gone, and he is, you know, seemingly at least oh, I was gonna say he's done it the right ways on the football field, but I, I would think the NEC double A might have a disagreement on on that one so he's know, done it knows. the winning way aaron okay the winning way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it, it, it's funny like i'm so happy you brought that up because yes like and i i know some stories uh i'll have to share those off air um of how he can ruffle some feathers right but the one thing i will say about it is even when he does that for the most part even with the places where he's ruffled those feathers they've still wanted him back and they still want to extend him, right? Like, again, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, even with Stanford, I, I know some stories about what went on there, right? Um, they did what they could to keep him there. Um, you know, San Francisco, like, it literally took the final bewitching hour almost, if you will, where they're like, okay, yeah, you can't be there. And I mean, even look at Michigan. Like, I, I'm willing to bet that Harbaugh, even the Harbaugh from Stanford, is still the same Harbaugh at Michigan. Maybe not to the extreme extent of terms of some recruiting visits, um, but in terms of that competitiveness and like, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever I can do to win. Like, I think that's still that same guy. Um, and again, like even that's one of the things that I learned from some of the guys that were at Stanford, uh, you know, a few years before I got there. Uh, you know, like one of the things they always tell me is like, look, you'll never meet a more competitive guy than Jim Harbaugh which kind of leads into the quirkiness, right? Like certain things of way he kind of rubs off on people a wrong way after a while. It's because like, yeah, like you won't find someone that wants to win more than he does. But I also do think it, it is worth being talked about and being said that 
even where some places where, yes, of course, all the reports are true. Like, he rubbed off on this person, that person the wrong way. A lot of those places, they still tried to do what they could to extend them. And Michigan now is being added on to – like, do you see that 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 uh that term they put in this contract of, like, hey, you, like, they were going to agree on it of, like, we can't terminate you if it's because of – uh, you know, like this violation of rules or whatever the case may be. You must really want somebody around if you if yeah. if you're gonna let that happen, right? Yeah. So mm. now it, if you ain't up, cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> that that's competitiveness right there. You look for yeah. any advantage, even those that aren't allowed. You know, <laughs> but. Yes, I mean, I think we all know Harbaugh is an excellent football coach. Uh, you know, potential cheating scandals notwithstanding, and has had success. At every stop, the NFL, college, what have you. Um, obviously, how it ended ended in San Francisco was a little bit weird, but you know, uh, we, you can't argue with the results. Uh, he's had some tremendous years, and I, you know, I won't argue with anyone that says that Harbaugh is their their top choice. I certainly think that Harbaugh is more appealing to me because I think he's a little bit more well rounded. I also think. Harbaugh's not imminently on retirement's door either. Like you're probably expecting, assuming things go right, which is quite an assumption for any coach. But if things do go right with Harbaugh, you could see him coaching here for a decade or more. Um, the problem with Bill, which we brought up last week, and I know we'll get to with you as well, Aaron. I think you maybe have some similar beefs. So I'm not sure, but you were probably looking at three years as the maximum for Bill Belichick. And I know there's been some reporting that maybe he wants to stay on as like an advisor. I mean, I don't know if I buy that or not, but you know, it it's definitely a different clock. Not saying that, oh, well, we're not trying to win if we don't get Bill Belichick, but the, the clock is accelerated in a massive way with Belichick in a way that it probably wouldn't have to be with someone like a, a Jim Harbaugh. Um, and on that note, I know George is, is chiming in with, with his donation, saying he's all in on Harbaugh, he thinks he's awesome, and if not him, perhaps be enemy, which someone they have notably not uh, put in an interview request for. So that is interesting to say the least but yeah i mean let's let's move the conversation a little bit to belichick because that that's the topic du jour that's the guy that the falcons seem to be zeroing in on fair or not um you know all the reporting we have all the buzz seems to be that the falcons really want bill belichick that if bill belichick wants atlanta it's going to happen you know obviously some of the reporting is more trustworthy than others but you know, Jordan, I know you and I, we talked about this a lot last week, so I'll give Aaron a chance to weigh in first. But I, if I've been following your tweets closely, I think you're not the, the biggest fan of that move either. So I'm curious why you're um, less interested in, in Belichick coming to Atlanta than, than some other options. Well, I, I think it's similar to some of the things you've expressed. I, I, I don't love the long-term projection of it. Uh, I should have an article coming out on Fakaholic soon sometime this week I, I wrote it up this morning and so it'll get published whenever dave feels like it should get published uh that kind of express a lot of my concerns about um belichick right the idea of like there's a lot more questions about belichick than the answers and i think a lot of people look at it and say look what he's done look what he's accomplished in the nfl and there, there's no denying that um that he has accomplished a lot in, the, in this league and arguably more than pretty much any other coach that's ever done so and I think a lot of people just sort of make, I think, a false assumption that like, well, uh, he can do that here in Atlanta. But I, I think 
for a lot of the reasons you're talking about, Kevin, his age, his longevity, can he do that? You know, we've seen in recent years that if he were to take on more of a sort of front office role, you know, do you really trust him to do that given some of the questionable personnel decisions that uh, New England has made in recent years? They went out on a spending spree a couple of off seasons ago back in 2021, uh, signed our beloved Janu Smith, did not really know how to use him. Uh, and that was a big reason why Jono Smith was able to be had here in Atlanta for a low, low price of a seventh round pick, even though he was making like, I think like $10 million a year or something like that. And you normally don't see that uh, with uh, players uh, being traded for basically pennies and whatnot. But that was part of a free agent class where they had some hits. Matt Jadon was a great pickup for them. Hunter Henry has been solid for them at the tight end position, but they had some um, you know questionable spending other than that. And then, of course, you look at Belichick's draft record, which is kind of notorious for being particularly poor. Uh, you know, I think it's a testament to how good a coach he is that they can draft as poorly as they have for basically a decade and still be successful as they were. Uh, but, you know, I, and then, OK, let's say you hire Belichick and three years from now he, he gets promoted to uh, or moves on, whatever. Right? Does he get a say in who the successor is for the Falcons coach? And then you look at the group of Belichick disciples that he's, you know, had elsewhere, you know, the Eric Mangini's, the Bill O'Brien's, the Brian Flores, the Josh McDaniels. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of other very forgettable coaches. And that's kind of the point. They are all pretty underwhelming as head coaches. And so, like, these are all questions that you you, you still have about Bill Belichick and the Lombardi's withstanding you know, I think it's just easy for people to just say, hey, he had a lot of success. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that think, oh, like Tom Brady made Bill Belichick. No, he had he had a huge hand in that Patriots success over that year. Like, frankly, you know, th those first like three Super Bowls wasn't really Tom Brady that was like getting them the Super Bowl. Like Tom Brady had something to do with it, but like it was mostly that defense. And, and that's all Bill Belichick or mostly Bill Belichick will say 99% uh, of it, Bill Belichick. And so like he earned those Super Bowls, but you know, he hasn't done a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of success without Tom Brady. That's basically, if you look at his coaching record, whether it was pre-Brady in, in Cleveland, he won only 45% of his games. You look at his record when Bledsoe was the quarterback prior to, uh, you know, Bledsoe having his spleen ruptured and, and that led to Tom Brady uh, getting into the game. They were 5-13 and 13 across that first year and then two games into that uh, 2001 season where they ultimately uh, had Tom Brady step in and, and go to the Super Bowl. And then you look at the, you know, even if you count the Matt Castle years and you count the 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 Flate Gate year where Brady was suspended for a couple of games, and then the years after that, they've won less than half of their games uh, without Brady since then. So it all kind of adds up that, you know, not, again, not saying that Brady made Belichick, but the body of work, and it's a pretty big body of work, kind of tells you that he's like a seven and ten ish coach when he hasn't had that type of quarterback, and that again raises questions on what are you going to do at the quarterback position, which is a big question mark for the Atlanta Falcons. And again, great Belichick's, you know, success with Mac Jones or lack thereof, because, you know, a lot of people look at the struggles of the Patriots and reason, Oh, just Mac Jones is bad. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of those takes where, especially for the people that were more skeptical of Mac Jones being successful in the NFL, gumming into the league uh, than others were kind of just chalk it up as, Oh, Mac Jones is bad. And you just go like, well, Mac Jones was pretty good his rookie year. Right when he had a, a real play caller, and then Bill Belichick had the audacious idea that he was going to take 
a defensive coordinator and ask him to call plays for the first time in the NFL. And he was going to, you know, I want a Kyle Shanahan offense. And you know who the perfect person to install a Kyle Shanahan offense is? Matt Patricia. And then <laughs> he was like, and you know who the person who I'm going to hire to be the, his quarterback coach is going to teach Mac, Mac Jones how to run this offense? Joe Judge. It would be like if Arthur Smith kept his job this year and Arthur Blank was like, you got to, Arthur, we love you, but you got to switch up the play calling. Dave Ragone can't be the OC. We need someone else to come in. And Arthur Smith is like, I got the perfect guy, Ryan Nielsen. And they're like, what? But Ryan Nielsen's never called plays before in the NFL. But we trust you, Arthur. You, you know what you're doing. You know, in this case, Bill Belichick has six Lombardi. So, like, you you tend to defer to him. He he knows what he's talking about. And then he's like, and I got the perfect guy that's going to teach him that offense. This innovative Kyle Shanahan offense that Ryan Nielsen's going to come in, Marquise Williams. And you're like, I don't think this is a good plan, right? I need to question this process. <laughs> you know? And so, like, these, like, I have all these questions. Basically, I'm laying out to you all these concerns yeah. I have with Bill Belichick. And so, like, he, he may very well prove, you know, all these questions are moot and, you know, Falcons may get a quarterback and he may hire a good OC. He may be willing to change at the age of soon to be 72 and, and do things differently at that advanced age that he hasn't done over the last two decades in New England. Maybe all these things could happen. But, you know, I think you can understand why myself, I'm assuming you guys as well, are a little skeptical that Bill Belichick will be able to do these things. And for all those reasons, like, I, I just feel like, I understand why people want a proven winner, and Bill Belichick absolutely is that. Um, but I feel like he's just as risky as the Falcons rolling the dice on one of these other first-time head coaches that have never done it before. Uh, you know, basically, we haven't seen them screw it up. <laughs> and so, therefore, maybe they screw it up, maybe they don't. And I think we've seen Bill Belichick screw it up, and I feel like we're at a point where it's like, yeah, he'll probably screw it up. I don't know, but maybe... I think I was thinking about this earlier today, Kevin, and I was just like, I think part of it is because as Falcon fans, we we don't have the rose-colored glasses on Bill Belichick. We like we see him as the villain, and so therefore, like, <laughs> we don't give him the benefit of the doubt, you know. And so maybe that's part of it is just an inherent bias that we specifically have uh, for him. I'm sure Colts fans probably have a similar bias of uh, they were dealing with you know hiring Bill Belichick and, and a couple other teams, Jets fans maybe as well. But I don't know. I just. I don't love the idea of it. If the Falcons do it, like I'll get it. I won't necessarily agree with it, but like it feels like such we talk so much about the Falcons and their questionable process. That feels like a very questionable process because you're just kind of looking. I think you're just kind of looking at the trophy case and you're you're you got stars in your eyes because you're seeing all that bling and you're just like, I'm not gonna spend any amount of time thinking rationally or analytically about any of this, similar to I think what Robert Kraft did when Bill Belichick came to him and said. Hey, I got this great idea. You know who's going to be the best play caller? And they're like, "Okay, Bill, I guess, sure, yeah, well, you, you know, you know what you're talking about." And that's what I, I kind of feel about it. You know, yeah. here, here's, I guess, the thing for me. Here's the one place where I feel like, honestly, Aaron, with everything you said, and and again, I, I agree with so much of it. Here's where I really think you could have just ended it all, right? With, with what you said, the history of Bill Belichick and the coaches that come after him right and now of course like as we know the the you know the 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 book remains open on Gerard Mayo like shout out to him just got named right but 
even if, again, you have a, a, a head coach who's 71 years old and you think you're going to trust him to have a coordinator or whomever else it is, right, on his staff. Like, hey, once I retire, maybe it is this two years, three years, boom, this person's going to take over. Who was that person that has come from the Belichick lineage that you would trust and say, oh, because that person had success? Yeah, we see how you do in, in, in terms of grooming and building coaching. I mean, we can look at Kyle Shanahan and his lineage right now, however you want to look at it. Again, me, I'm petty. I look at more as Mike Shanahan's lineage than I do Kyle Shanahan's lineage. But still, to that point, like, you know, we can look at Matt LaFleur. Look at Sean McVay, Bobby, like all these dudes, right? But for, for Bill Belichick, you don't have it. And, and that's the thing for me where it's – that's kind of where I have that that pause of doing it, right? Even if, again, to the whole point of, like, with, with Arthur Blank and this seems like what he wants, wants a big splash, wants a coach with experience. That's why I look at Jim Harbaugh. And, of course, you know, Kevin, I know we talked about this before. That's where I also look at Steve Wilkes. And I really do think that the whole Steve Wilkes um, situation, where he comes from – Again, some of the ties that he does have to a Shanahan-style offense, um, right? Like, who knows what's going to happen with Click Kubiak and things like that. It, it looks really interesting to me. Um, but also, like I said, I, I really just want to see a situation. Well, I don't want to see it. But I had the questions of if things – who knows what Bill Belichick said during that interview process, right? Who knows what he's going to say in terms of – uh, roster control and things like that. Because again, this is a dude that for what, 24 years, he's had a good say so in roster control and being a GM. So he can even say, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be here. I'll be in Atlanta. I'm going to give up some of the roster control that I've had before. If things don't go the way he wants them to off rip, I still have a hard time believing that he's going to stick to that. And that's not Bill's fault. It's just what he's used to, right? Like, again, you're used to something over 20 years. I can't fault you for for wanting that or, or feeling like, hey, you know, something's not going right because I had to change or this is not what I'm used to having. So I want to get that back. And look, like we as we all know, depending on how you want to say about what Terry Fontenot's job is, what Rich McKay's role is in all of this, Arthur Blank's role in all of this, all Falcons fans kind of have this feeling. There's a lot more say-so in, in terms of the higher-ups outside of Terry Fontenot, right? Like, it's not just a GM thing. So you got some other people you got to answer to. So, I, I again, it's just that whole situation, the same reason to an extent why a lot of people think that the Bill Belichick, Jerry Jones fit wouldn't work. There's certain similarities and comparisons why I feel like the Arthur Blank. And however you look at that, you know, hierarchy, the Arthur Blank and Bill Belichick comparison and, and, and situation wouldn't work either. Yeah. No, I mean, it. it's a dicey proposition with Belichick, mainly because I think the one area that he hasn't shown to have great success in himself is offense without Brady. Um, and, you know I, know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, he'll just get Josh McDaniels and it'll be fine. And, you know... Josh McDaniels hasn't had that much success without Brady either. I mean, I know a lot of people were saying like, oh, well, you know, you just should throw out the years he was head coach because that's different than being an offensive coordinator. I I'm not I'm not going to do that uh, because he called the plays and he made the offense. Yeah, he had more on his plate. But without Belichick or without Brady, McDaniels hasn't been very good either. 
outside of a few games, you know, here and there with, with some other guys. And, and obviously they had that run with Garoppolo that was pretty good. But I'm just not convinced he can find a quarterback. And I'm not convinced he can fix the offense, which is the problem with this team. It's not that the defense was obviously problematic over the last three games, you know, the two of the last three in particular. But for, for much of the season, it was big over performance based on what we thought. And the defense ultimately wasn't really costing this team games. It was the complete incompetence of the offense for much of the season and the inability to get a quarterback in here. Um, and I know George was echoing that as well, saying, you know, he's anti-Belgic because, look, without Tom Brady, Bill is only uh, at a 44.9% win percentage. Uh, <laughs> he's saying that's very similar to, to Jerry Glan Glanville. <laughs> <laughs> basically he's just a more arrogant Glanville. I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> George. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation because he is a proven winner like that. that there's no doubt about that. And I, I know Jordan and I talked about this last week, but I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, Aaron, that Belichick's still a great defensive coach, still a very good in-game coach. But the question is, can he fix the problems with this team, which are offensive for the most part? And they do need to continue to build on defense and fix the problems they had to, to take that defense from being sort of a fringe top 10, top 15 sort of defense to an actual top 10 legitimate defense. Like, I, I'm sure that he would probably be able to take this defense to the next level. But like that alone, I don't think is moving the needle for this team in terms of wins and losses because... I mean, what did it do for the Patriots this year? Like, the defense for the Patriots was still good, and they won four games. Um, now, I think the Falcons' offense is in a much better place than the Patriots' offense is at this point, but they still have to find a quarterback. They still have to figure out what's going on there. And, I, like, I'm just not comfortable with letting Belichick pick the quarterback. And, again, the, the points you guys raised is Belichick is very controlling. He's always wanted control of the roster, control you know, control of the coaching staff and even control of the offense, you know, seeing who he's put at defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator over the years. And he doesn't have a very deep bench of coaches to work with either. Like we, we all know he's kind of notoriously difficult to work with and get along with as a coach. So you know, he's got Josh McDaniels, who he's probably going to bring back wherever he goes. And, you know, I guess we're going to get Matt Patricia back probably as defensive coordinator or something like that. But there's not really a deep bench otherwise. Like, none of these guys are, like, who else does he have? He has that limited group of guys, and I think that leads to problems if stuff doesn't work. And it's just sort of like there's an exploding deadline on this whole thing with Belichick that wouldn't exist elsewhere. And I just don't like setting yourself up to be doing another coaching search in three years, no matter what. Like, you know, there's like a 50% chance, no matter what, that you're doing another coaching search in three years anyway. With Belichick, you're giving yourself a 100% chance. But I guess the idea is that with Belichick, you think you have a higher chance of winning a Super Bowl in those three years than you do with other guys. I'm not convinced that that's the case. I, I, does, does Belichick give you that much better of a chance than Harbaugh? I, you know, I don't think so. I think it's probably about the same. You know, maybe if you're arguing that he gives you a better chance than like a Bobby Slowick or a Ben Johnson or whoever that are more question mark in terms of their head coaching, you know, I guess you're probably right there that they, but the long-term upside is non-existent. And, you know, there's been like a weird, I don't know if you guys have noticed it. There's been sort of like a weird kind of, what's, what's the right word? Like, like almost like tribalism on Falcons Twitter between people that want Belichick and don't want Belichick. And the people that don't want Belichick obviously have the same talking points that we do, but 
the people that do want Belichick seem to think that everyone else is just accepting is is perfectly fine with mediocrity. And, you know, if you're wanting to have a longer term outlook, then, you know, it, it's like a weird dichotomy. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to wait three years to win just because I don't want Belichick. I just don't think he's the best option. It, it's kind of weird. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you guys, were, as you said, Belichick is a brilliant defensive line, right? And if you're placing the bet on who is the coach best equipped to take the Falcons defense from where it is right now, which is a pretty good defense, to potentially the best defense in the NFL, Bill Belichick is the best bet you can make for that idea. And I think, Kevin, you're touching upon the points where it's like, you know, for a long time, if you had asked us at any point, probably six months ago, prior to six months ago, Every Falcon fan would have been like, yes, I absolutely want that because for basically a decade, the biggest problem on the Atlanta Falcons was their defense. The problem is in today's NFL, and, and obviously that's changed under Ryan Nielsen, right? The problem in today's NFL, offense drives team success. That when you look at the teams that consistently make it deep into the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of top 10 offenses, right? You're going to see a couple of top 10 defenses, but for the most part, being a top 10 defense without having that top 10 offense means, you know, you're going to, you know, that's so many teams, the Raiders, the Bears, so many teams were like that. I mean, you could argue the Falcons this past year. And it doesn't lead to overall success because basically, without getting into it, the league rules now basically make passing OP, right? It's overpowered, right? Where it's just basically if you are just decent at passing the football it's going to lead to so much more success than doing anything else in the game of football in today's nfl and i think the challenge with bill belichick is like yes if the falcons already had their quarterback right if the falcons were the chargers and you had justin herbert and you were like hey let's put justin herbert with josh mcdaniels and let's fix this defense bill belichick makes so much sense for the chargers it if we were chargers fans if this was the chargeaholic or whatever, right, we would be sitting here being like, absolutely, this is a slam dunk. Go get Bill Belichick. He's going to be the thing that gets this team, Chargers or basically Falcons West or Falcons or Chargers East, however you want to call it, right? That's going to be the thing that gets this team over the hump. But Atlanta doesn't have that. They got to figure out the quarterback. They got to get an explosive offense. These were the two biggest issues that the Belichick-led Patriots struggled with. Right. The quarterback situation and part of the reason why their offense didn't work, not only because of questionable play calling, but they just don't have any weapons. They have probably one of the weakest groups of talent in terms of skill position that like their number one receiver this past year was Kendrick Bourne. It's like, you know, no offense to Kendrick Bourne. Good, good player. But it'd be like the Falcons having Kadero Hodges, their number one weapon. You'd be like, hmm, there's something wrong here. There's something missing here. Right. You know? Be like, oh, an offense led by, you know, Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry, like, you know? And so, like, when, when we have these questions about Belichick solving specifically the Falcons' problems, it's like these are the exact same problems that he could not solve in New England. And so you sit there very skeptical, rightfully skeptical of whether or not he's going to solve these problems here in Atlanta. If the Falcons were just, hey, let's just get a top five defense and, we, you know, we can go to the Super Bowl with that. We can win with that. All, all steam ahead with, with Bill Belichick, but because the Falcons aren't dealing with that, it, it it doesn't the marriage doesn't necessarily mesh, and so you need Belichick to be able to do things in Atlanta that he has struggled with to do 
in New England in recent history. And so, and then like the one time he was successfully able to do it, he had the outlier of all outliers by the name of Tom Brady basically doing it. And it's like, I don't think Tom Brady, now, if, if Tom Brady was going to be like, you know what, guys, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm coming to Atlanta to play for Bill Belichick. Let's do, let's put the, get the band back together one last time. We'd be having a very different conversation, but you know, anybody who knows the relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and how that has deteriorated over the last decade knows that ain't happening. But if there was a chance, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> let's try it. If he can get Tom Brady to come back here and reverse the curse, as they say, I'd be all for it, but like that ain't happening. So, you know, I think everybody, every Falcon fan is rightfully skeptical. I get why everybody else, as you say, Kevin, the, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. I get why those people are there. I just think they kind of just look at the, as I said, they just look at the bling and they, they don't go deeper than that. It's just like, look at all the sex success he's had. We need that here in Atlanta, you know, and, and that's it. It's two plus two equals four. Right. But I don't think it's that simple. Football to me is way more complicated than that. It is. It is. I, I, I could tell you all about that. Uh, no, I, I think the thing for me, first off, you know, you talked about like Hunter Henry and and um Kendrick Bourne, the Patriots. So you almost forgot mean? his name. That's how forgettable he was. <laughs> oh, well, I, I know Kendrick Bourne because of his his 49er days out here in the Bay. But I was saying I was I wanted to bring them up to say, like, what an offense that's led by John Smith that doesn't move you. Uh that you know, <laughs> like we, we we can't make that work. But uh no, to your point though, I I want to say this because I've seen this a lot. Um on social media, maybe we have people in the comments. Also, shout out people in the comments again, as always. I'm watching. Um, you know, I've seen this take or uh, frequently, or people like, "Hey, we hire Bill Belichick. I am no longer taking season tickets." It's like, really? That's what's going to stop you <laughs> from? That's going to be the last straw from you taking season tickets for the Falcons. Like, I, I can go through so many other things. We, we went after and recruited the nasty man. That didn't stop you. Uh, first off, this organization, for the most part, has been bad. That doesn't stop you. But bringing in Bill Belichick is going to stop you from, from buying season tickets, really. that That's just interesting to me. Um, I, I will say this, though. Again, with this overall, um, and again, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything. I, uh, it, it really is. I'm just so curious. I'm really curious with like, what was that interview? What did that interview on the dream boat, which again, I think is such an awesome name. <laughs> that's a great the AMB. <laughs> the AMB yeah. is capitalized. Yeah. Like that's really yeah. cool. Um, what did that interview look like? And, and, and how was there a, you know, was there a plan overall in terms of like, Hey, when coach X, Y, Z amount of years, if I do, this is the succession plan. You know, I'm really curious about all of that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just this situation is really so unique and unorthodox. Because, again, you look at some of the other teams that are out there, right? If you go to Carolina, that's a complete rebuild still. That's a complete rebuild. Yeah, you might have Bryce Young for a while, but that's still a rebuild. Um, I still look at if you go to obviously if you go to New England again, best of luck to Gerard Mayo. That's going to take some time. You go to the Chargers. I get it. Like the Chargers look attractive to a lot of people because of they have a quarterback in place. You look at their salary cap situation though. 
that's still some problems there in terms of making that team what I think a lot of people think it's going to be. Um, I still think Hope Antonio Pierce is going to be in um, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, you know I really do. Hope he hope he gets it. I think Washington still rebuild. There's a lot of things you got to do there. This, in my opinion, and I really do think some people look, let's look at this as a bad thing. I look at it as a good thing. The one thing you really need in Atlanta is good to get the quarterback right. And the thing for me is if you're a head coach in, in, in the NFL, what's the one position that you're most tied to in terms of like how well you succeed or don't succeed? It's the quarterback. So that's why I feel like it actually, I really do think in terms of all the openings that are around and about in the NFL, this is the most attractive one that's there roster wise. Right. Like, here's the question, though, in terms of decision making and what goes on with all that, how do the decisions actually play out? Yeah. You know, like, I think that's so interesting to me with all this. But again, I I say that because I think that really does go into this Bill Belichick uh, conversation, because, again, that's not an answer that he had to report to. You know, we we had talked about Kevin, you know, with with, with Gina on uh, the last show. The whole situation with Nikhil Harry versus Debo Samuel or A.J. Brown. And the reason why Bill Belichick overruled a lot of other people in that building to take Nikhil Harry. Um, you know, and again, it's like why I talked about the the growth process, I guess you could say, about Jim Harbaugh and why he relegated and and gave off play calling decisions, right, to Sharon Moore versus him doing it himself like he kind of took the ownership also why i said like hey steve wilkes this is interesting he's shown that hubris of okay you know what even though this isn't my fault offense only gave up 17 points per game the last three weeks but they're blaming it on me not being on the sideline down in san francisco and of course we all know the the um wrong end of the spiel that he's gotten the other two head coaching gigs that he's gotten in the nfl um no there there's just a lot and a lot nuance there that you know we got to look at and talk about with this whole conversation yeah no i think so too and we definitely should get into the other bit of news which is that the falcons have sort of released all their coordinators to interview after blocking them last week which that comes out you know immediately following harbaugh's and harbaugh and belichick's in-person interviews and the falcons still have you know six more interviews to do or something like that so that's a little bit interesting but i know we had um yeah, uh, PV with the five. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Says, I'm sure you guys will get into it, but just saw that we're letting Nielsen interview elsewhere after what he did with our defense. I got to imagine he's gone. Does that mean that a big name head coach is imminent? And I'm curious what you guys think about that. I know we got a couple questions with regards to that. Um, but what what do you guys think about, do you think anything's changed now that they're all of a sudden releasing these coordinators to go interview elsewhere after blocking them? initially um i talked about this on lockdown falcons tonight i think no i i think this is more of a coincidence than anything is imminent i think the falcons are going to go through this process i think more than likely that it means not that a hiring is imminent i think the falcons kind of realize that this probably not going to hire anybody anytime soon right i saw someone a reporter write that you know whether it was last year or previous years the average amount of time it takes for teams now with the new rules that I touched upon earlier uh, with the NFL is like 26 days. And I think the Falcons, you know, again, reading into the situation, we'll see how it all plays out. But 
I think reading into the situation, the Falcons weren't prepared to let just guys just walk out the door last week. And now I think they're like, look, this is this process is going to take a while. So rather than holding you guys hostage for the next two weeks that it probably is going to take for the Falcons to find their head coach, um, you know, go explore your options, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what's what. But I, to me, it was never likely that the Falcons were going to retain that many coaches. I, I went back and looked at their last three coaching hires and on average, you had about four coaches get retained from the old staff going from Bobby Petrino to Mike Smith, Mike Smith to Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn to Arthur Smith. on average, about four coaches, right? A total of 11 across those three coaching hires. And so when you apply that to basically 21 ish coaches, like that's a 20% retention weight. If, if they retain four coaches on average out of 21 coaches. So to me, it was always like for any one of these coaches, whether it's Nielsen, Marquise Williams, Dwayne Leffer, or anybody, I always, I was like probably an 80% chance or higher that these guys would be gone once Arthur Smith got fired, that they would not be back here in Atlanta. And so I think the Falcons letting these guys go, I don't think it has anything to do. I just think, you know, the timing is interesting, but I think it's more coincidental. Just like I think last week when, you know, the news of the Falcons requests came out the same day that Bill Belichick and the Patriots parted ways, that to me is just a coincidence. But I think a lot of people were trying to draw connections like, hmm, this is curious. Why would you release this the day that Bill Belichick is, is a free agent? And it's like, um, because it took the Falcons three days to do all the stuff, right? Seattle, it took them a week. The Raiders, I don't even know what the Raiders are doing with, with their coaching search. Um, but like all these other teams, you know, it took them a day because they had a head start on it. So I just think a lot of this stuff is coincidental. And I think people just kind of the two most recent <laughs> events and they try to draw a, a, a a connection between them. And it's like, oh, these are the two most recent data points and they they have to be connected. And it's like, they're probably not connected. It's just I think the Falcons realize, like, hey, we're not going to hold these coaches hostage for two weeks. They weren't prepared to say that, do that, you know, last Thursday, and now they are. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And, and yeah, I wouldn't look too much into it because they still have quite a few guys left to talk to in the search. And, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that they're not interested in the rest of the guys in their search just because they've got a chance to talk to Belichick and Harbaugh. I mean, I think we all probably agree that they're targeting Belichick the most maybe Harbaugh's in that category as well but we'll see what they ultimately end up doing there but um it's uh it's gonna be dicey but I know I know Corey Carter raised a question about you know are you guys concerned at all about the Falcons bringing in a bunch of guys last year on multi-year contracts to fit Nielsen's scheme and then immediately changing schemes again I mean not that concerned I mean I think the guys he brought in are pretty flexible I mean like like Jesse Bates I don't know that there's any scheme that he can't play in. And same thing with David on Yamada. I mean, it, it, you know, he's pretty, he's played nose before he's played three tech. I mean, pretty much every defensive scheme is going to have a three tech and a nose and, and a, a deep safety. And, um, you know, Kate Nellis, maybe the, the most specialized, I guess, given his, his role. But again, I think, you know, he's a linebacker. You need linebackers in every scheme. Not terribly, you know, I guess if they go back to that, like Dean Pease style, maybe that means, you know, D'Angelo Malone and Arnold Bacchetti finally get back in the limelight a little bit more. I don't know, but um, I'm not too concerned about that, Corey, for the record. But um, yeah, I, at this stage, I mean, I know we had Javier Landry asking about who joins Belichick's staff. And I think we, I think we did cover that for the most part. It's going to be his guys, you know, <laughs> he has his guys and that's pretty much it right? Doesn't really work with anyone else. Uh, and that's kind of part of the problem, but 
he's going to have his guys. Um, and, and that's, that's what we're looking at there. I know, uh, we got, uh, Shaquavia Scott with the $2 saying, if Harbaugh comes, will we get our own version of Connor Stallions? You know, that, I don't know. I don't know if he's bringing Connor with him, you know, <laughs> you know, probably, hopefully not because, you know, that the NFL is probably a little bit more harsh with the, with those penalties. So we probably got to steer clear of that. But that's, you know, that's, legal, that's legal in the NFL, though, by the way. I just want to let that be known. That's, that's okay. legal. You can, you can do that. You can okay. do that. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, as long as you don't videotape it, right? As long as you don't videotape, yeah. <laughs> you can't go, you know, to their practice, you know, <laughs> videotape it. I feel like all these coaches are somehow doing this. All the same guys. Yeah. You can stand but, over the coach's shoulder and look at his play sheet, but you can't videotape it. As long as you don't yes. videotape Yes, you have to commit it to memory. Uh, so send someone with a photographic memory to look at the play sheet, and then you're good. But we also got Spenny Platinum with the uh, Canadian $14. I don't know what the exchange rate works out to that is, but thank you, Spenny. Uh, he says, I love Harbaugh. He's a legit attitude and culture change changer. I'm worried that Belichick would be a short-sighted move, that the headline of hiring him sounds better than the fit also ethically feels wrong if Terry is helping to find his own replacement. I mean, yeah, I agree with that, too. Um and Wise Soul with the $2 says more Jordan Watkins takes. Yeah, we're going to get to oh, some of those. Wise. Yeah. That's my guy. <laughs> the shout yeah, out. We, we yeah. Actually, we're, about to hop, we're about to hop on a show here in about 30-ish minutes. Uh, oh, nice. You, there you go. That's real. Yeah. More, more Watkins takes on the way. Uh, George says, I got an idea. Let's hire Iron, Iron Mike Ditka. At least he's proven he's willing to trade up big to get his guy. Let's trade the whole draft to go get Caleb Williams. That's big brain. Get your elite quarterback. In the words of Sean McVay, F them picks. Yeah. So. <laughs> also, it's funny enough because you, you do see what picks actually did help out Sean McVay, right? Like they don't get to where they were if it wasn't because they hit on some picks. I, yeah. I just wanted to say that too, right? Um, one thing real quick as well before we go forward. I actually am kind of concerned uh, what we do bring in in terms of a defensive play caller. The reason why, yes, we, we've seen – David Onyemata in a in a in a three four, I still think he's best fit and best suited as someone that can just play one gap. Because usually, if you're in a three four and one of those you know three D lineman positions, you're you're two gapping. I think when he's at his best, he's penetrating and making things happen in that regard. Where I think it would be interesting though to see is our linebacking group, right? Like all of a sudden, do you put Caden Ellis back on the outside, right? Like we saw he had success. In, in certain roles, right, with the Saints, if he was at the line of scrimmage, making things happen. So that would be interesting to see. I really just thought that overall, you know, I was looking forward to the 4-3 group of, you know, you have Nate at the mic, Hayden's at the Sam, Troy's at the Will, where you kind of let him just be an athlete, right? Go, Steve Ball, hit ball kind of thing. So he can kind of grow into even more of being a linebacker. Um but of course, you know, with his athleticism and ability, it would be interesting to see what he can do if he was, you know, playing more so on a line of scrimmage. But I, I do, I, I do have some concerns though uh, with this personnel if you do switch it up, because um, I, I do think overall, of course, like you get Grady Jarrett back, love to see Grady like being more of a get up field mindset. Same, like I said, same thing with Animata. Um, obviously, like fingers crossed that we get Calais back next year. And of course, I know a lot of that depends on who, who we do uh, bring back as a, co or who we bring in as a coach. But 
I think even for him too, right? Like to take the physical wear and tear off of him. Don't make the game be as physical as it has to be because it's already going to be physical for him, right? So again, in the more of a 4-3 where he's more one gap conscious and he's more just getting vertical, getting the field, I think that helps him too and helps the case for the Falcons bringing him back. So just a couple of concerns that I do have in terms of, you know, switching up with what we had this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I, I'd love the continuity. I mean, I, I, that would be great. Um, and I know Jason just added that he thinks Nielsen deserves to stay on as the DC, regardless who becomes head coach thinks he did a great job. Um, also he wants to add Aaron, his favorite guest on your show is the locked on Titans guy that does the dirty bird when you have him on. So shout out to that guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Bobby Sloak, I'll have him back on cause he yeah. definitely wants Sloak in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, I want Sloak in Atlanta so we, we can, we can fight to the death over Bobby Sloak, but, um, Bet dirty bird wins. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, I, I think Ryan Nielsen certainly deserves to stick around. It really just depends on what the coach wants. And, and I, you know, Bobby Slowick, Ben Johnson, you'd think they'd probably keep the defense intact just because unless, you know, unless Ben Johnson's getting Aaron Glenn or something from Detroit to come over, which you think the Lions probably aren't letting that happen. Um, he doesn't necessarily have a, a deep staff of defensive guys. Usually those guys, they know their side of the ball. They've got their guys there, but the other side of the ball, maybe a little bit less knowledgeable. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't still, I still wouldn't be terribly surprised if Nielsen does stick around. If the Falcons hire one of these offensive guys, just because they're letting him interview, doesn't mean they have to let him leave. They could still not allow him to actually take a job, but Typically, it's unusual for them to allow an interview and then not allow someone to actually take the job. That rarely happens. I can't remember the last time. But theoretically, they could still block a hire until they're ready to to announce it. But I do think it's, I mean, it's certainly nice to the coaches to let them interview and, and get that experience at the very least and, and give them an opportunity to catch on elsewhere should so, you know, should they not be retained by the new staff. Um, so I, I do appreciate it from that angle. Um, got a couple more donations here before we wrap up. We got Corey Carter with the two. He says, you will never convince me that Belichick's success isn't a byproduct of Brady. I don't think he was very good before Brady nor after. Also encourage people to listen to the ESPN daily podcast today since it covered Belichick's unceremonious exit from new England. So definitely listen to that folks. If you're interested in getting that perspective. And then Corey also says Goodell has mentioned that he won't let college coaches hide from disciplinary actions in the NFL. Yes. I know that, uh, Aaron and Jordan were bringing that up as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We haven't, I, I know Jordan, I believe you said, who was your favorite coach right now that we've interviewed or, or are planning to interview Jordan? I felt like the most, um, I, I, I think what I said was the, the most, what made the most sense in terms of what it seems like Arthur Blank wants. This is why I said Harbaugh. Um, you know, I think what I would want is Ben Johnson. And again, it's because I've seen what he's done with a lot of very similar pieces offensively um, in Detroit with what we have in Atlanta. But again, I think the the one that I'm kind of growing on more and more, the more I think about it, where I talk about it is really, it is Steve Wilkes. Um, you know, the more, again, the more I think about him just in terms of, again, I think what's the most important thing of a head coach is who you are as a leader. It isn't if you're an offensive guy, defensive guy, 
And again, the the standpoint for me again, you you see what that dude has gone through with Arizona. He got short jobbed. Carolina, especially you hear what the players wanted, right? He got short jobbed there. Even in San Francisco, um, you know where it was just like again. I, I said it before in the show. I said it in the last show too. The offense scores seventeen points three straight weeks. Right. Trent Williams was hurt. Debo was hurt and often struggles, but it's no D coordinators got to get on the sideline like that. That's what the problem is. And doesn't complain. He just he, he takes it, gets on the sideline defense. The, the San Francisco defense gets back to what it was. Right. Like that, 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 that's a, that looks like a leader to me. Right. And then again, like I said, if you look at it more so even in terms of connections and 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 what's there so obviously offensively cuz that's a big question okay if you're bringing a defensive minded guy what's there offensively clint kubiak is under that again i'm saying mike shanahan uh umbrella just cuz i'm petty <laughs> i I, yep, I admire it yep. yeah yeah you know so <laughs> you know you, you see who also is again under that umbrella right like there's a reason why we were looking at bobby slowick as as a candidate right there's a reason why Matt LaFleur is doing what he's doing in Green Bay. I can go on and on. So um, you you have that potential because that connection is already right there um, as to who you can bring in offensively. And, of course, I'm sure people in Atlanta, like we would – I'm sure like we would love to have um, a similar resemblance, right, of that offense that we saw the, in my opinion, the most important player in Atlanta Falcons history, Matt Ryan, win MVP. Um, we, we love to see some resemblance of that offense back in here. Right. So I really just think that the more I keep thinking about this, the more I go through this process, the longer it goes on, the more I really do, uh, get enticed by the idea of, you know what, maybe Steve Wilkes is that guy. Yeah. I, I, I think they, it's funny because I think they've actually amassed a really good list of candidates. Like I don't really hate, Mm -hmm. except for Bill Belichick, you know, any of the candidates on the list for the most part, I think they all have their merits. I think they all make sense. You know, some, I think more than others, but you know, I think it's overall a pretty good list of strong candidates. Um, so I think Wilkes is certainly someone who's very interesting. Um, and I, I know he resonates with the players. I, you know, you could tell that everyone in Carolina wanted them to stick around. Um, and I think you could argue they might've been better off sticking with him than the disaster that occurred in Carolina. Uh, Otherwise, but, you know, uh, this isn't a Panthers show, so we'll, we'll let the Panthers fans deal with that. Uh, we, luckily, we avoided that particular disaster. But, it, you know, I, I'm definitely Team Bobby Slowick. You guys know why. I, I think when he's, he's worked some miracles over there, you, you love to see how quickly he— Obviously, C.J. Stroud is a unique quarterback in terms of how quickly he was able to acclimate. I don't necessarily think that's just all Bobby Slowick and, and C.J. Stroud wasn't responsible for any of it. It's definitely— some of it is that C.J. Stroud just hit the ground running better than most, if not all, rookie quarterbacks. But Bobby Slowick made the offense accessible to him and clearly has assembled an offense where a young quarterback could thrive. And and one that didn't exactly have great pass protection, especially for a good chunk of the year with a lot of guys injured. So, um, And I, I, again, for the same reasons that I've always said, I think it's important to get your offense locked up and set as opposed to the defense, because again, the offense 
the offense is king in the NFL, and it will be for the foreseeable future. Maybe it will change again at some point. Defense comes back around. This is a cyclical league, but the the way the rules are set up and the, and the way the TV ratings and everything seems to be pointing is they want offense. And if you don't have an offense, you're not competing in this league. And that's what the Falcons need to fix. So that's why I'm team Sloic. But I'm curious, uh, Aaron, we haven't gotten your take on your preferred candidate at this stage. So who who are you uh, who are you pulling for the most at this part of the coaching search? Well, I'm similar to you, Kevin, in the sense of I like a lot of these candidates. I, I've talked about 10 of them on Locked on Falcons over the last week. And nine of them I've made the case for. Only one of them I've made the case against. I'm sure you can guess which one that is, since we spent like 40 minutes making the case against them on tonight's episode. Uh, but yeah, and, and I, you know, uh, I still haven't talked about Antonio Pierce or Aaron Glenn yet. I'll probably do that on my next episode of Lockdown Falcons, but I'll probably be making the case for them uh, as well. So it'll be 11 out of 12 to me make a ton of sense for the Falcons. But for me, I guess the two that stand out to me, right, My probably my number one is Ben Johnson, just because I do have that offensive preference. I do like what his offense did in Detroit, uh, you know, similar to what the Falcons have done under Arthur Smith. It just feels like his offense is the better version of Arthur Smith's offense. So in a lot of ways, you feel like he can take that offense to the next level. And it's like, okay, there's there's definitely some continuity there. I don't feel like you have to completely rewrite the book or whatever with that. So he's probably my number one. But my number two is, is Raheem Morris. And for a lot of the reasons that Jordan's talking up Steve Wilkes, um, you know, with Wilkes being a more known commodity because we've seen him have success in the NFL as a head coach. And we've seen, you know, probably not quite, you know, from a win loss standpoint, when you look at Raheem Morris's record in his three years in Tampa Bay and, you know, three quarters of a season in Atlanta, but we've seen him do a lot of the things, you know, that you want a head coach to do. You want him to be able to communicate with players. You want him to be able to call a good defense and, and do all the, the head coachy things that all these coordinators just haven't done or unproven options as far as that regard. And I, I, I like what Raheem Morris brings to the table, his, uh, his ability to, you know, take that Rams defense that basically was Aaron Donald and a whole bunch of dudes that they got off the street. Right. You know, and, and no offense to those players, but like they, they were not working with the Jalen Ramseys and the Leonard Floyds and the Von Millers anymore that they were on that Super Bowl defense from a couple of years ago. It was a lot of mid-round day three guys, a bunch of undrafted free agents, some couple of free agent cast-offs, but they were able – he was basically able to make lemonade out of lemons, and you saw him in that playoff game do a pretty good job, you know, making some in-game adjustments to, to Ben Johnson and, and keeping a lid on that offense in the second half. And, you know, their offense maybe had – done a little bit better in, in down the stretch. They, they may have won that game. You saw a similar thing happen in that Super Bowl against Cincinnati, uh, making some mid-game adjustments, and that was a big reason why they were able to come back and win that game. So, you know, I think Raheem Morris has proven that he's a capable defensive coordinator uh, prior to this year. You know, that 2020 year when he was the interim head coach, that was the best defensive year that the Falcons had. Like, again, not going to say that was a great defense, but it was, again, similarly, he can make um, lemonade out of lemons and, you know, I feel like we we have a little bit more than lemons here in Atlanta now in 2024 as opposed to what we had in 2020. So I like what he can do. And then, you know, the I feel like coaches, you know, <laughs> with one exception. <laughs> uh, no, but no, this, you know, no, this would be a third chance for him. But I, I think coaches deserve a second shot, right? Where, like, that's the thing about I, – I think one of the things I, I, I come across with a lot of fans – 
where they expect these coaches to kind of be fully formed when they come into the league, when they get their job and they're like, they sort of like, you know, just like you as a head coach, like you're not going to learn on the job. You're not going to, you know, grow and evolve and, and change or whatever. And I think, you know, one of the the harsh things about this league is like you get one shot. And then if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach or not, like you're not going to get that many other, you're, you're not guaranteed an opp- another opportunity. Basically the only players that really get al- multiple opportunities are first round picks, right? Where team after team will basically like, Hey, we thought highly of this guy five years ago, we're going to keep giving them shots. Right. But like outside of that, no one else really gets opportunities. And so I think with coaches, you know, there's a lot of things that you can learn. Bill Belichick from his time in Cleveland to his time in New England, got that second opportunity. We saw, we see what Andy Reid has done on his second stint. I'm sure I could sit here and rattle off a bunch of names of coaches that have been successful getting their second opportunities as head coaches in the NFL. And I think Raheem Morris, you know, getting that opportunity rather than just basically, hey, we fired Dan Quinn, figure it out, Raheem, you know, and actually having, being able to come in there with a plan and being to model the team on his um, chance, I, I think he deserves that shot, whether it's here in Atlanta or somewhere else. And so I, I'm a believer in Raheem Morris. I think he would be a great coach. So, you know, while I would probably prefer Ben Johnson just because of the potential of the offense, going back to what I talked about, how offense kind of drives team success in the NFL, I think Raheem Morris would be, you know, my best bet for, like, I know he's a good head coach. I believe he deserves another opportunity. I think he could work wonders here in Atlanta if he's given another chance. Yeah. I agree. I really like Raheem as well. I think he was like my number three behind Sloak and Johnson. So I, I, for all the things you said, I think he's got the experience now. He's worked on both sides of the ball. He's worked in so many different atmospheres and teams and has had success everywhere. I think he clearly deserves another chance and I think he would do a much better job. And I, I think sometimes it is that second time is the charm for, for these guys where they, they get that opportunity. And the other thing with Morris is that he just knows so many people now. He's worked with so many staffs so many different coaches. He could. He, I think he would have absolutely no trouble building a staff. He would have a deep roster of guys he could draw upon. He knows so many people, um, and and is more of that like CEO type coach that I think is is rarer to find these days. But somebody who really could be a benefit on both sides of the ball right away, as opposed to some coaches really taking control of one side and then having to kind of learn the other side. I, I think Morris would be someone who could step in and, and immediately sort of bolster both sides of the ball and be more of an executive type head coach, which would be an interesting change from what we've had the last couple times. So um, last question from useless gamer with the five pound donation. What's up England. Uh, thank you, man says, are you guys surprised we haven't interviewed Joe Brady or Eric Bienemy yet at all? I'm more surprised about Joe Brady. Falcons haven't ever really shown a ton of interest in Bienemy, So um, that one doesn't shock me as much, but yeah, Joe Brady, I thought would be someone they definitely wanted to hire if Fontenot had a say, but maybe Fontenot doesn't really have a say. So that maybe that's why they haven't interviewed him. But you, are you guys uh, it, like uh, wondering why they haven't talked to either of those guys at this point? Or I mean, the Eric B enemy stuff is, is fascinating. Right. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, whatever you want to chalk it up and we can speculate endlessly on the NFL does not love Eric B enemy. And I think this year was basically the like, okay, well now we, we don't have, no one's going to be badgering us about hiring Eric Bieniemy now because we saw him not succeed in Washington. And so we can wash our hands of him. And I'm not saying that's the right call there, but it feels like there's no heat on his name. Like there has been the last, you know, three, four years this time around. And I, so I think the NFL is just like, yep, yeah, we're done with that. 
never speak about Eric, B, you know, like as a head coach ever again. And right or wrong, you know, that just feels like where the, the league as a whole is at. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. The thing for me was for even Eric Bieniemy's sake, I really hated the fact that he took that commander's OC job um, just from a standpoint of, again, just play, play the, play the game, right? If the game plays you, you play the game too. play it back of, okay. If people are saying that, Hey, the reason why you're such a hot commodity, hot topic is because you're hiding behind Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes. All right. Well, guess what? That's going to have to be up for you to decide not going anywhere right now look because obviously you look at what is there offensively or what was there offensively with uh washington there wasn't a lot there and again i know i think we talked about this before yeah washington was one of the the top teams in terms of passing yards well they had to because they sucked defensively so more times than not they're playing from behind they have to throw the ball but when you go to a situation like that, it, it just opens you up to so many more questions, right? Where, again, if you look at Eric Bieniemy's situation and the fact that even when he was in Kansas City, that he didn't get a look for a head coach, a head coaching position in the first place, you go somewhere else. It's literally, we're just waiting for the reason to not give you a head coaching job. And so I think with what happened in Washington, that that's what I'm saying. It's like, aha, see? You're not with Mahomes. You're not with Andy Reid anymore, and it's not looking the same. Can't give it to you. Uh, so that that's the thing for me. And again, for whatever reason you want to look at it, right? Is that the case? Uh, because it's um, because of what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, their brilliance is because of, of course, you know, there there's some stuff on his history, even before I think going back to when he was still playing in Colorado. Um, there there are a lot of things there, but I just still feel like overall for him. I, I really did feel like taking that Washington OC job, it was like that that's the thing you don't need to do. Yeah. I mean, I, in some ways you don't blame him, right? It's like, okay, finally I have a chance to get out of Andy Reid's shadow. This is probably the only one that's going to give me this offer. It, but it was like he was backed into a corner. It was like, well, you either stay in Kansas City, maybe eventually you take over for Andy Reid there, and and you do that. And, you know, I think for some people it's like, oh, well, why wouldn't you just stay there? It's a great job with a great offense and all this. I imagine he wanted to grow, you know, he's like, I, I want to show what I can do. And it's just, but he, he, the only option he had was a bad option. So it's like, now you get stuck in with a, with a lame duck coach and they're just going to make you the sacrificial lamb. So. But the, and, and that's what I'm saying in terms of, I'd rather, uh, you know, it's almost like the opposite of this. So my mom, she's always have the saying for me, right. It's better to be thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's the saying that she said that she used to tell me. So look, we can think um, it's it's better to think that for Airbnb enemy in his case, it's better to think that he's a, a product of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes versus you go somewhere else. And now you're removing the doubt of like, now this is what people think of you. Right. So again, look, I don't think Sam Howell's that good. I don't think there are a lot of, and I'm saying this because of course they beat the Falcons. Oh my gosh. But I don't think the weapons outside of the select few in, in, in Washington are that good either compared to what you think the, some of the play, the pieces that they had before this year were in Kansas City. But you go to a situation where a lot of other people, at least they have a reason now to believe that they're removing the doubt of, 
oh yeah, you, what, what was going on in, in Kansas City was because of this and this and this and this. Now you're here by yourself and you can't make things happen. That's why, like I said, I just I, I felt like that wasn't the right decision for him to make. Well, yeah, you, you know, last point I'll say is you look at the struggles Kansas City has had, and you know, how much of that has to do with not having Eric Bieniemy there? I, I think that's a fair question. I think yeah. it's definitely a fair question to to have there. Uh, that you know, m- maybe maybe Eric Bieniemy is better at this than uh, Matt Nagy is. Maybe I don't know. We can speculate in this. We'll, we'll find we can out speculate. I think. I think I know. I, I know for sure that he's better than Matt Nagy. I, 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 don't, I don't need know. to speculate. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll never know. We'll just never we'll workshop know. it. Yeah, we'll workshop that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll keep that in the hopper and can percolate for a while. But um, no, uh, guys, appreciate everyone for hanging out. I know someone said, "Oh, well, if Belichick comes here and wins a Super Bowl, will you eat crow?" Absolutely. If, if I don't care who wins a Super Bowl in Atlanta, you get that Super Bowl. You know, Slattery, tell me where to go. Slattery. Yeah, Just give me that. Give me a heaping, he- heaping portion. Because uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be all good at that point. But no, I'm absolutely gonna hate it that the Falcons won this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because the only thing I care about is being proven right. We all know this. Okay. <laughs> Notorious mm. for always being right and never, you know, wanting to have a wrong take. Uh, you know, the only way to do that in this business is to never have a take. And unfortunately that doesn't get you very far so um guys appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight thank you for liking and subscribing if you haven't done that already do it please if you're listening to the podcast out here leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice thanks to everyone for contributing to the senior bowl fundraiser tonight really appreciate it uh you can do that here if you're more of a venmo person there's a link in my twitter if you want to do it directly um whatever works for you uh or just being here we appreciate that too appreciate everyone for for all the support uh, appreciate Aaron Freeman for joining us tonight. He's at Locked On Falcons. Aaron, anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? No, I'll be hanging out with Kevin at the Senior Bowl. That's it. Uh, check yeah. out Locked On Falcons. We're talking coaches. We'll probably be getting into uh, positional breakdowns and sort of what the Falcons have, what a new coach is working with. You know, moving forward, that's probably going to be in store for you guys next week, and then it'll be all Senior Bowl content uh, the week after that. So that's what you can do. Uh, you know, listening to the illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast. Absolutely, yeah, the Senior Bowl's coming coming quick. I was like, oh, I got I got time. I'm gonna write, you know, like twelve articles. Oh, okay, it's next week. Oh, okay, yeah. So we're gonna scrap those plans, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll definitely look forward to to seeing Aaron again and, and doing some great Senior Bowl content there. We also have with us, of course, Jordan Watkins at Big Seventy Five fella Jordan. Anything you'd like to plug, other than, of course, the tremendous Falcons Fade podcast, which you are a part of, and people should check out. Uh, yeah, no. Once again, I just want to give a shout out to everyone in the chat because you're you're y'all are the ones that make this go and make it happen. Uh, one person in there too, I want to shout out because uh, it, it's funny. He said that I need to follow my mom's advice in terms of again, like I said, it's better to be thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. So shout out to Will Star because you're the one that said it. Said I need to take my mom's advice, which I think I've done a good job of doing it. Uh, it's the reason why I got my two Stanford degrees. And again, you're here tuning in, watching me talk about the Falcons. So appreciate it. I've done a good job of uh, tuning into it. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Thank you, uh, Will, for watching. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for delivering those wonderful takes. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please like, subscribe. Like I said, leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Tonight's show is, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. We'll have more content coming your way. we got a fresh mock draft dropping soon, so stay tuned for that also guys uh, if you're interested in supporting the show uh otherwise and getting some perks you can do so for youtube by signing up as a channel member 
a link to which is in the show description. It's also on the channel page. If you're more of a podcast listener, you can check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash live. Uh, everybody there, you guys get early access to the recorded shows. You get some cool uh, Q&A sessions. Uh, there'll be some live exclusive mock drafts uh, for the supporters as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and of course, you get our undying gratitude. So uh, that's always a big plus, right? But thank you guys so much for hanging out with us on the Falcoholic Live. We will see you guys next week for probably more court coaching speculation. I kind of doubt they'll make a hire by next week, but you never know. Uh, you never know. So either way, we'll, we'll be back soon. Until then, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. For myself, from Jordan, from Aaron, we'll see you guys next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.